Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 143. I'm Steve Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. And today, all the way from the Panda Express, we got Mr. Andrew Wilsey. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on, by the way. No problem. No problem. Hey, I did get a question from our community. Okay. They wanted to know, how is it possible that you can be a high-level athlete and eat Panda Express like every single day? Is there some sort of secret trick that you can share with me because i when i when i eat garbage food i just get fat so if you can like biohack me i would love to know how you do that first off why do you guys think i'm actually competing at medium heavy when i'm a natural lightweight <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah like when i did the noogie pans at brown belt i was actually about 159 or 160 and i did middleweight <laughs> like that was like two years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm competing two weight classes above what I'm supposed to be at. It's just most people suck so much at nogi that they can't beat me anyways. <laughs> so the incentive to lose weight is like not super high, but no, you will absolutely gain weight if you eat Panda Express every single day. Like I, I don't kid about that. You will gain weight. Uh, you'll be stronger and better yeah. at life but you'll be heavier. (laughs) That's something that I have found as I get older, you know, I'm getting close to 40 here. Look, can you always get bitter at jujitsu? Yeah, but there is kind of a physical peak, you know, as you get older, you know, the, the, the ax gets a bit duller. You can't move as fast, but the one thing you can always do is get heavier that (laughs) (laughs) and gravity is force. So worst case scenario, you don't, sometimes you don't have to be the best. You just have to be the heaviest. Hard to move someone who weighs like 300 pounds. Anyway, um, th- this has been some terrible health health advice here, so I apologize. Please, everyone out there, do not take this as an endorsement of just moving up weight classes instead of training. No, no, I, I don't think you should ever move up weight class unless you absolutely can't naturally make the weight class below you. I have to argue with my teammates all the time because they're like, well, you're doing medium heavy. I can do medium heavy. I'm like, no, you motherfucker. It's like a, <laughs> you have to be so naturally good or like work so hard. And every match is so much harder when you're up weight classes because you're dealing with so much more leverage. You're dealing with so much more like height and strength and not necessarily speed, but speed is an advantage. Most people are not capable of taking because they're not good enough to hit their timing windows or they're going to get exhausted because they're not used to training at that pace. So it's like going up a weight class is not something I would normally ever tell anyone to do. Don't do it. (laughs) Yep. I I am inclined to agree is if you can safely get down to a your natural weight class or a weight class that feels good for you, that's probably better than just bulking. But anyway, yeah. topic for another day. Uh, what we wanted to chat about here today, we'd had a I actually had some ideas bandied around. But, Andrew, I know that one thing that is both very timely and something that both you and I are quite passionate about is 
cleaning up this sport, um, being ethical in this sport, the philosophy of what makes jujitsu a great sport and what could make it better, what we need to change in our community and how we do that. And you're a guy that I think most people view as a leader, not just in terms of athletic performance, but also in terms of um, ethics and philosophy. And that, that is rare in this sport. There, there are a lot of people when you go on social media and they rack up world championships, but they never make a statement one way or another about how we could be better people and how the sport could be better for the people in it. And that's one of the criticisms I've seen of a lot of our the, the top competitors and the top athletes in this sport is, why are you not making a statement in light of all of the scandals that have rocked this sport in the past few weeks? Why are you saying nothing? And you're a guy who has been very vocal about telling people to, to stick to doing the right thing. And I, I would hope that your opinions are not controversial here. I would hope that people don't, don't listen to this and think this is a political thing because I think it should be pretty much a slam dunk. But with that said, I'll turn the floor over to you here and tell me what's on your mind, buddy. So I, I definitely have opinions about our sport that are going to be controversial because everyone likes to look at jiu-jitsu with these rose-colored goggles that were like originally created by the Gracies. Like, oh, jiu-jitsu can make you overcome anything. And you have... There's so much toxicity in this sport that people are, they're, they're probably aware of, or but it, they don't want to rock the boat and talk about, or it's like normalized or like our, our, our sport is incredibly hostile to people that talk like cross train, mm -hmm. you know, like if you're training in another gym, occasionally your teammates are likely to give you some form of hostility about that. That's incredibly common. I'm lucky that I trained at a gym that encourages cross training. Like that, that's like the baseline of just like toxic. Like I actually know people that have been kicked out of their gyms because they've cross trained yeah. <laughs> regularly and the, their coach is like, you can't do that. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm getting better. And I'm coming back and showing you all the good technique that they're showing me. I'm not like interrupting class, but they're like, well, we don't want people that are training in other places and they kick them out. Uh, I actually, I was very close to making a extremely hostile video about that like i occasionally i'll go on rants and you know my, my form of ranting is actually pretty mild i swear a little bit but i'm like not directly calling people out but i was very close to just like exploding on names and people that i know have done this and etc and then you have the fact that like our sport is incredibly male dominated like it, like to an extreme extent you can see we've had rape scandals and we've had uh, statutory rape scandals and all of these cover-ups and like buddy, buddy bro systems going on. I think that's normal too in our sport. And I think it's incredibly toxic. We have the cult mentalities of like, you have cults of personalities, you have cults of uh, like in-group, out-group. And I think that's very fucking normal. Like you have the, the normalization of using um, heads in our sport. If you ever go on a thread on Reddit or anything like that, where they're talking about ped use, they're like, well, everyone's doing it. No, they're not, motherfucker. And it fucking sucks to be the dude that's not on PEDS and having to go against guys that are on PEDS. Like, you can tell when they're on it. Just the level of strength and explosiveness and just straight-up dumb power that they have from nowhere, it makes it so much harder to be competitive, and it just gives bad incentives to people that are looking up to people that do that. It makes them more likely to do it. So, no, our, our sport's actually a lot more toxic than people want to realize. No one wants to admit it. I think if you're the person calling it out, you're going to get flack. Yeah, I, I would be the first to admit it. I, I can tell you. And I mean, people who listen to the podcast have heard me tell these stories probably a bajillion times. So I'll, I'll save all the details. But I have 
seen it firsthand as well. And, you know, one of the, the tropes of jujitsu is the blue belt blues that once you get to blue belt, everyone just quits and drops off and they go away. Um, and to some extent, that might just be because for a lot of people, that's the extent of the accomplishment they want in the sport. But I actually have a new theory, which is that I think a lot of the time, the reason people leave the sport is because getting to blue belt is around the time you start to see the the toxic underbelly of what this sport actually is and what it actually represents. When you are a white belt, jujitsu is the most wonderful thing in the world. And you see this with people who come in and they just get intoxicated with the sport and it takes over their whole identity, even though they've only been training for three months. I was that person. I'm sure, Andrew, you were that person where you were like rocking all the jujitsu jitsu apparel when you'd only been training for like two months, three months. Um, there's something very intoxicating about it, especially when you're really only concerned about the stuff that happens on the mats and the mechanics and learning and training. But once you've been in there for a while, probably by the time you get to Blue Belt, you're going to start to get some exposure to the actual cult of personality and, and, and the culture that goes on under the hood that you might have missed when you were brand new. And that, I think, turns a lot of people off. Because once you start to see that and you start to kind of get a character read on who some of these people really are, and you realize that they're not always the nice smiling instructor that you know when you roll with them on the mats, there's this other aspect of their personality, that's when I think people start to get turned off of this and they start to turn away. I mean, one one common refrain I've heard in the face of all of these rape allegations and assault allegations is people saying, well, I met this accused person and he was really nice to me. So I don't believe this assumption. I don't believe this. I don't believe this accusation. But man, you, you can't just because someone is nice to you personally, when you're paying them a fee to train you jujitsu, that doesn't mean they're nice to all of the women that they know behind closed doors, right? It's a completely different thing. No, it is. And a person can appear lovely in public, but behind closed doors, their conduct might not match that. So we need to be open and honest with the possibility that there, there, there really are no heroes. Anyone that we think is a hero, they, we don't necessarily know these people. We don't know what they do behind closed doors. And we need to take these accusations a lot more seriously than we do, in my opinion. No, I, I'm very against hero worship. Uh, I always try to tell people, like, don't like I, I get some level of hero worship just because of the Daisy Fresh stuff and because I'm like a high profile athlete. And I always try to tell people, like, I, you know, don't don't read too much into that because i'm i'm pretty human like i'm gonna have a, a like i'm bipolar i'm i'm gonna be depressed and i'm gonna be not as motivated at some point i'm gonna be dealing with an injury or something like i'm gonna let you down at some point like i'm not gonna have some weird fucking rape scandal but at the same time like normalize your expectations of high level people mm-hmm. and i i think there are usually red flags that you can pick up on if you go back and like watch interviews or if you watch how people interact when they are accused of certain like sexual scandals or whatever that is and you 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 know it's after the fact you can be like yeah okay i i can actually see that now they would definitely rape someone or they would definitely like normalize this or brush it off based on how they've reacted to questions before but at the same time you you can't like read too much into those interviews at the time without knowing the context that they're fucking being scumbags so Mm -hmm. it is complicated uh the, the allegations need to be taken seriously like like just across the board um one of the things I was absolutely disgusted by, and I was like showing my little brother and actually I was messaging my ex-girlfriend who is uh, like, she was, she's the rape counselor that I dated for five years. Who was one of the people who really helped open my eyes to how 
much nuance there can be in, in like sexual assault and, and rape and just this field in general. It's like not just like pinning someone down and raping them. There's so much that goes into it that's important to know. When there was that Reddit thread where, was it Dominique had, it was like he posted the meme about her. Oh yeah. So the, the backstory on this, for those who don't know, is um, with the episode that we did with Emily and Dominica, I the, Dominica had a, what I think was a really cogent um, and salient point about the female experience in jujitsu and what it's like to train in an environment that where women are not really welcomed and what that perspective looks like for women. And so I took this quote and I put it on Reddit and generally the reception was very good. I think for it was probably illuminating for a lot of people, but there were a shocking number of people who came out of that and took it as a, a personal attack or, or an attack yeah. on all men or tried to make it about themselves. No, there, there really were. I was really disappointed and dismayed actually. And it kind of opened my eyes because I realized, fuck, if I, if I, as a dude, am spending one episode of this podcast talking about women's issues and I'm getting this much hate, I can only imagine what it must be like to be a woman in this sport every single day. Anyway, sorry, back to you. No, I mean, that that actually had me shaking with anger. Like I was, I was so ready to get on that thread and be like, fuck you, motherfucker, I'm coming to your house and and just kind of go overboard with how like upset I was about some of those comments, especially like there were black belts on that. There were a lot of black belts on that thread actually commenting extremely hostile, negative stuff. They were victim blaming her. They were like pretending it's not an issue at all. Like she's being a dramatic bitch. Like they, they were like, oh, I wouldn't fuck her. She's ugly. Like they, 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 it was disgusting, horrible, fucked up behavior. And uh, it, it, the kind of behavior you can't even pretend to like oh this is okay no it's it was just so blatantly wrong that like i i actually still to this day kind of want to know who like i don't know who the reddit yeah, like usernames are behind the black belts like but uh i i guarantee you like if you told me oh, hey this black belt's this dude and i had to do a match with them i wouldn't be fucking very nice to him like i'm usually pretty nice to my opponents but they might get a little extra crank on some subs it's just so fucking horrible for the sport and not just for the sport but it's a uh, it's like culturally it's just you just can't do that you can't be like that like this every girl i've talked to and i i'm a fairly well traveled like like bjj athlete i've gone to multiple gyms and stayed for weeks or stayed for a month all over the country okay and i realized that like most of my history is in the united states and that's going to have some kind of bias on it but you know, I've been to Brazilian run gyms. I've been to American run gyms. I've been to like high level competitive gyms to little rat hole garage gyms. And there's, if you talk to the girls and actually have a conversation at some of these gyms, they're normally going to have something that's going to relate to what Dominique said. Just, it's just something like they've dealt with some weirdo that sniffed them weirdly when they were rolling and then the coach didn't take it super seriously. Or, you know, that like the coach is hitting on them and they don't really know how to re react to that. Like, it's just so normalized in the sport because our sport is incredibly not just male dominated, but you have like so much power positions in our sport. You've got you know, your black belts that want to be treated like gods and get kind of treated like that by their students. You've got, uh, you know, high profile athletes like myself or like other people that compete on big stages that, you know, we have some kind of influence or position on that and people take advantage of that people are just unaware that power dynamics matter when it comes to like interacting with people 
Like if you're in a position of power over somebody and you're hitting on them, if you have to be so careful and so cautious, because if they're not like immediately reciprocating, you are very likely putting them in a position where they're uncomfortable because they don't feel like they can say no to begin with without having some kind of ramifications. And just that alone can paint everything. It completely changes the context of what's happening. And that's incredibly important to raise awareness of. And I don't want to say it's just like lack of awareness that's making people do that. Cause I do think some people are just scumbag pieces of shit, but I also think that a lot of people are just uneducated. Like I've had to have conversations with so many different people about, you know, what coercion even is when it comes to sexual relations, you know, and like what a power dynamic means. And when it comes to like, you, like you're hooking up with a girl, but you think it's consensual, but she's, she feels pressured into the situation and that matters. And all of that is incredibly relevant. And it's something that needs to be talked about in our sport a lot because gra- grappling you know, is very physical and it's very, uh, like when you have like that, that heavily of a physical aspect, you're likely to run into situations where you're going to have attraction one way or the other. I've definitely seen girls that were like kind of overly playful with their physicality in the gym. And I've seen guys that were, they just completely oblivious and they hit on everyone, even though that, they're not really in a position where they should be doing that. I, a lot of it I think, comes down to education. Like I've heard flack from the few statements that I've made were like, oh, educating them is not going to make a difference. They should know right from wrong. It's Well, right from wrong is a lot to do with cultural context. And like I said, the Brazilian culture, I've been massively informed and I've picked up on it. Just the consent age is like 14 there. Like it's not a big deal to them. They don't give a shit. And, you know, our sport is called BJJ, <laughs> like, uh, and, but it's not there. You can't just blame them and say that they're bad people. Like they need to be, in, sometimes people need to be informed that this is right and this is wrong, or this is what's expected. It's expected. You don't fuck your 14 year old students or you don't act a certain way. And usually like, if you're like arguing against education as the answer, usually you're on the wrong side of morality. Absolutely. Yeah, this is something that I I agree with you 100%. And a lot of it is education on power dynamics, because I know that when you say these things and when I say these things, people are going to come right back and they're going to say, Steve slash Andrew, it is not fair to paint all men with this brush. Sometimes it's the woman who initiates you're being unfair and blaming men. And no, no, that, that, that could be a real thing. You know, you could have a woman that's being the aggressor. But the main difference is that at the end of the day, like you said, it's about power dynamics. Power dynamics matter. If if you're a black belt instructor and one of your students, one of your female students starts hitting on you, you're not at such a power dynamic that you will be compelled to do anything you don't want to do. All right. That's if you are not interested, then that's the end of it right there. If the roles are reversed and the black belt male instructor is hitting on the new white belt student, the power dynamic is totally different. And I agree with you about the education thing, because I think a lot of people, they decide at a very young age that jujitsu is going to be their whole life, especially now you've got people getting into this, you know, when they're kids and they grow up in jujitsu and they decide to make a go of it. And that's all they've ever known. And if you've ever worked a day in any other job, then you would know that this kind of stuff is not tolerated. If you are a manager at a company and you're hitting on your employees, you're done. If you're hitting on your customers, you're done. That's not to say that good relationships can never come of that. And it's not to say that they must 100% be banned all the time, but most companies 
They will have very rigid controls uh, and conflict of interest checks and coercion checks to make sure that if a relationship happens uh, due to the office environment and due to the work that is handled ethically. I have maybe only heard of one gym in all of the jiu-jitsu landscape that actually has taken that HR-based approach and applied it to jiu-jitsu, where they actually have policies for this kind of shit. Like, what happens if an instructor and a, and a student legitimately want to make a go of a relationship? How do you deal with that? Um, and mo- most of the time, unfortunately, there are instructors who they just view it almost like a perk of the job, that they can, d- they can date students, like it's their own personal Tinder. And they're oblivious to the power dynamic of what happens when a black belt uses their influence over a student to get what they want not even just at a sexual level but when it comes to you know getting them to sign a lock-in contracts getting them to buy merch they probably shouldn't buy getting them to to not train at other gyms black belts seem to be totally oblivious to the level of influence that they have over students Uh, that lack of understanding of a power dynamic i think is kind of the root problem that we deal with when and that's like you said the way to fix that is educating people and getting them to believe that this is a real thing because i think most black belt instructors don't believe they wield as much power as they do they think well i'm just some gym idiot who has a black belt and has 50 students at my gym i can't possibly be a cult leader i can't possibly have that much power but i think people fail to understand that with hierarchy and authority especially in a combat sport where you're legitimately whooping ass on your students all of that power dynamic leads to coercion and that's why i think a lot of the time people get coerced into things they don't want to do in the sport i've said this before online i don't inherently think it's bad to have uh, like a lower belt that starts dating an upper belt. The fact that that is happening doesn't inherently make it toxic because people have, you know, personalities that mesh extremely well. There's like attraction that works out extremely well. It can happen. You hear about power couples and hear about like relationships that started because they were both doing jujitsu and they're married now. And it, it can be a positive thing, but it's a lot easier for it to turn toxic. If you're not aware of the power dynamic, power dynamics, for the most part is like about awareness if you're aware that okay she's uncomfortable or she could she doesn't she might not feel like she can say no you have to approach it completely differently you can't be aggressive about anything like there have to be conversations and communications like look if we break up i you know it's it's completely okay that both of us keep training and there's not gonna be any toxicity in the room and like you have to have that level of communication like i actually dated a purple belt for a year and a half, uh, Michelle, we had an incredibly positive relationship. You know, we met doing jujitsu, you know, then when we broke up, there wasn't any toxicity. She can keep training here. She can do what she wants. Like you, you still be supportive. And that level of communication is what makes the difference. I think between like, okay. And not okay. It's awareness and communication. Yeah. Uh, and I think that most instructors are not equipped to do that. And also, um, as they say, culture is not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. I think the other side of the coin here is that a lot of instructors don't want to fight this fight because they're not incentivized to fight this fight. If if an instructor sees that one of the other black belts or one of the other instructors in the gym is coercing female students, 
I mean, no one wants to hold accountable their best buddy who's been their training partner for 10 years, right? No one wants to hold accountable their black belt that they might have to kick out of the gym and then you've lost possibly an incredible instructor or jujitsu talent. No one wants to have to have that fight. But the problem is that culture is not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. If you're not willing to hold people accountable, even your closest friends, if you're not willing to hold them accountable for your transgressions, then your your culture means nothing because you're letting people just do whatever they want. And that's really the common thread that I've seen in a lot of these responses recently, like the way that uh, Fight Sports has responded to a lot of their accusations. It kind of feels like when a woman... They did everything as wrong as you could. I, I agree. Yeah. When when a woman lays an accusation in front of them, they it seems that rather than taking it seriously, the initial reaction is basically to rally the horses and close flanks and get really defensive and try to talk yourself up as being of the highest moral character. I mean, look, if, if you run an affiliation and one of your instructors is accused of sexual assault. The last thing you should say before you know what's going on is, well, he has great moral character. or He's such a good guy. Like, if you take this shit seriously, your job is not to paint a positive picture of this person. Your job is to get to the bottom of what really happened and take it seriously. What you just said is incredibly important, but you can't take it the other direction. Like, you can't disregard what the instructor is saying. Like, if you've known someone for 10 years and they genuinely seem like an upstanding moral person, you do have to, like, lend that credence when you're hearing accusations. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to actually investigate it impartially. And, that you know, we're not police and we're not investigators in the jiu-jitsu community. We're, we're not. We know what this is. We, we do Brazilian jiu-jitsu either a high level or a low level, and that's the extent you can know about our skills in life. And... uh you have to take that into account. Like we're not supposed to be professional investigators and that's where you get complications. Like, like I, I, I don't know Wagner and I don't know cyborg personally. I've met them a few times. And in my opinion, they seemed like decently moral people, you know, for whatever that means. And it is a complicated situation. Like you start having degrees of removal where people are attacking when you know they're attacking people that weren't actually the perpetrator of the crime for not doing more and you have to be a little bit cautious because you could they they could genuinely think that someone didn't do something wrong and then you're like trying to ruin their entire lives because they don't agree with your interpretation of the situation but then you can also have the opposite where it's like you know that person actually did something that's clearly blatantly fucked up and you want to have some kind of justice for that and then people are doing the buddy system and just disregarding any evidence that the person did something wrong and i think the fight sport situation is obviously one of those cases because there's police involved there's admittance there's smuggling of someone out of the country their situation is pretty inexcusable but you you do have to walk the line a little bit when it comes to like scandals like this where it's like the worst thing you could do is ruin an innocent person's life by far in my in my opinion, I'd rather there be no death penalty. You know, like you you need pretty high levels of proof to really condemn someone than ruin their life. And when you get certain kind of witch hunts going, you don't have that. So there there needs to be a little bit better investigation, or you know, kind of like actually provide evidence to police investigators and let them do it. But that's the worst part about the whole fight sports thing is they wanted to have a hotline and you call them instead of the police. That was 
that was a pretty disgusting statement for them to make. Yeah, call <laughs> us and tell us about the rape. Don't call the police, please. No, don't fucking do that. Call the cops. <laughs> call the fucking cops. That is something I found absolutely mind blowing. Uh, and it's not just them that did that. Hodger Gracie did the same thing in light of their recent accusations, I believe, where they set up a hotline. OK, that that is the absolute worst idea. That That is like the equivalent of an arbitration clause in a contract where you're telling people you can't sue us. We have to go to arbitration. You're basically trying to make sure that if something bad does happen, you're able to take control of the situation and suppress it. If I am in a situation where I have been abused used or assaulted under the fight sports banner the last person i want to call to talk to about it is cyborg <laughs> like sorry no offense buddy but you simply cannot run an impartial imp- investigation on this shit you just can't that's why there needs to be independent investigation by people who know what they're doing the the idea of the head instructor investigating themselves and their own academy is a fucking joke it's just ridiculous <laughs> you touched on that earlier when you started talking about incentives and incentives are something i heavily heavily lean towards in all aspects of life like when i talk about what rules we should have in jiu-jitsu i don't talk about like what's like i talk about what incentives the rules create instead of just the rules themselves it's just so important to talk about incentives and having someone that runs a, a business that is essentially their entire livelihood investigating sexual allegations against their association that's that's not gonna go well maybe they're just such a morally like a high level person that they're not gonna fuck it up but they're probably going to have so much bias that they're going to ignore certain things or try to downplay it or want the situation to kind of go away. It's not a good idea. Don't call the fucking fight sports hotline. Don't do that. (laughs) And even if, even if the person does have the best of intentions that yes, I will investigate this to the best of my ability and get to the bottom of it. They're not qualified. I'm, I'm sorry. Your head instructor is not qualified to conduct a rape investigation. There is no reason why you should call them for to report criminal activity there. It, it's clearly just intended to suppress that conversation and let the team control it internally, which is the opposite of what you want. Um, but I'm sympathetic to your other your other side of the argument, too, which is that, of course, we can't just assume people are guilty until proven innocent. But that's all the reason why we need to let the experts and the authorities drive this this conversation. Right. I see this on Reddit all the time. We absolutely don't need guilty beyond a proof of reasonable doubt in the jiu-jitsu community before we decide, okay, this probably happened. We can ostracize this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, this is actually not a court of law. Okay. And if you set the bar that high, then we're going to have a lot more fucked up rape scandals that happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right that they're not qualified to investigate something like that. Not just the bias, but like our fucking bona fides for what we do is that we're good at jiu-jitsu. I'm good at grappling. I can, I know the moves and I'm good at reacting. I can control my opponent. That doesn't make me a social expert. That doesn't make me a goddamn investigator. I can't do that professionally. Whether I happen to be naturally gifted that or not is irrelevant as fuck. So no. And that comes back to hero worship a little. You assume that your hero is going to be good at all kinds of stuff and that they're going to be able to handle the situation, but they're not. They're good at grappling. Let me ask you a question here, Andrew. Yeah. How do we fix this shit? (laughs) Because it it just seems so systemic. Like, what what can we do to actually improve this problem? It, it, again, I, I really genuinely think the answer to most things is education. Uh, like, I, I'm very openly pro-rationality. I'm very openly pro-science. And you just get so many tangential benefits to higher-level education, and especially raising awareness on topics that people want to brush off. Like, there, there's so many good examples of this. Like, you know the McDonald's lady that, she sued McDonald's because she she uh, spilled hot coffee on her. 
Yeah. And, you know, she actually had to have her vagina grafted back on because the burn was so bad. Yes, I, I did hear that. Like a lot of people. Don't, yeah. yeah. It, it was just like you just get misinformation like that. And that's clearly just a topic of awareness and education. You know, it's like she had an actual case and education completely changes the view on that. You, you can't go wrong with just educating people about what's right or wrong. Morality is just a societal construct and we build it ourselves and we can build it as a community. Being like, okay, weird rapey stuff is not tolerated in our sport. It's going to be easily put out there. We'll investigate it seriously, but like, we're not going to hide it. And if you have it, you're fucked. Like, if you're actually doing this shit, there's not going to be any hiding behind buddy, buddy code. And that's going to make people more aware that it's wrong, more nervous to do the shit at all. I'm sure it'll make it hide it better, but that'll also reduce the amount of cases that happens, which is also okay. So uh, do we have, I, I guess the question would be, is, is there a body in this sport that can provide that education? Is there a resource we can send people to? Fuck no, the police. <laughs> like, I'm pretty liked by the Reddit community, but they can be extremely subjective to arguments to emotion. So like, they're, they're not the most rational community. I wouldn't trust them too much with complex topics. So no, don't... <laughs> You know, you don't want to say like don't offer evidence up to the community, but they are very witch hunting about either things that they're correct to witch hunt about or things that they're maybe taking it too far. It's just um, they're not. You know, it's a, it's a giant community of people that are on an internet forum, and you, I just don't trust the jiu-jitsu community to to police rape scandals. I don't because it's so normalized. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up a good point, too, which is that. And again, I think to some degree, this comes back to hero worship and personal bias. But I noticed this, too, and I've seen this on Reddit for sure. When someone is accused, a bunch of people will say, well, show me all the evidence. Why hasn't the victim presented the evidence? Like, look, guys. The victim is not required to present evidence to Reddit. The victim presents evidence to the court, to the judge, to the police. There is no reason why the victim should go onto Reddit and post all of their personal messages to prove things one way or the other to you. So the, the, their decision to not do that, that's not some reflection of like whether the, the case is valid or not. I, and I see this a lot where people will say, well, the victim has not presented any evidence and so, to us. And so therefore, this, this rape accusation can't be true. Well, like, look motherfuckers if there's a, if there's a legitimate rape accusation what the victim should do is take that evidence to the police and to the courts they should not take it to a bunch of dumbasses on the internet <laughs> and in fact doing so doing so can damage your case so that would actually be the worst thing for you to do to go and put that information online um, the best thing for you to do is to take that information to the police so I, th- I think that people sometimes take a very uncharitable read of the of the accusers here where they see these situations and they say well this person has not provided me any evidence therefore it must be fake that the you know this accusation couldn't possibly tr- be true but people need to understand they are not the intended recipients of this evidence due process says that the evidence go to the courts and to the police it doesn't go to the social mob on reddit or on the internet those people have no entitlement to see the the evidence in these personal messages No, see, see, that entire topic right there is where I can really appreciate the five years I was with my ex where she was actually taking the time to educate me on on so many of these different subjects because people don't realize the amount of pressure and different forces that come into play in situations like that. Like, you have friends at your gym just because the top-level guy 
molested you or something. It doesn't invalidate all the different relationships that you have and how they're going to be completely polluted by going to public with a lot of this information. And like the, you have to, the, the, the women definitely take that into account. They're like, well, I'm going to lose all my friends. Or I'm going to be ostracized. They're going to treat me like shit. They're going to be mean to me. They're going to do some kind of repercussions. Not even just the top level guy, but the other people in the gym that are either going to not believe her or wish she would just like, okay, that, that sucks that happened to you. Can you just brush it off so we can keep training? Like, like all of these different fucked up things that the people are going to say. And they don't really say that in malice. They say it because they're just normal people. And those are normal reactions, I think. And that's why it's so prevalent. And they have to take that into account when they're deciding how to react to some kind of sexual misconduct. But you as a male who's never had to carry keys between their knuckles to their car, don't intrinsically understand that. So you don't get it. So you're more likely to try to brush these topics off or approach them in a lighter way when it's very serious to the people involved. And that's again, education. Yeah, I, I've definitely made that mistake myself where I was aware of a dispute in the gym and I did not understand that it was probably actually a lot more severe than an outsider like myself thought. I mean, to to an outsider, it might just look like a, a dispute between, uh, you know, a, a girl and a, and a guy in the in the gym. But in retrospect, looking back on it, there could be a lot worse stuff going on down there. And there is definitely a tendency to downplay the experiences of women in this case, where if they do experience something bad, it's very common for, like you said, um, the male training students and even the females to say, like, look, can we just downplay this? Can we just move on past this or to not understand the severity of what's actually happened? That's very, very common, unfortunately. Yeah. And of course, the other side to that is like, what are you as a random teammate supposed to do when you hear about something like that, but there's like no actual evidence provided? Are you supposed to condemn completely? Like, how are you supposed to respond to that? And that's when it gets complicated. Like people like to pretend these these topics are very black and white. And to an extent they can be, but it is actually a complicated subject. And that's what bothers me. The cover-ups actually bothered me the most. The co the cover-ups, I think, are the worst because that that is the thing that I see that really stands out here in a lot of these situations. I mean, as outsiders, we we can never really truly know what happened. It is ultimately up to the police and the courts to figure that out for us, what actually happened in a lot of these cases. But the one thing that we can definitely weigh in on is the responses that um, the organizations put in place when these accusations come into play. If an organization immediately tries to cover something up or tries to get the accused out of the country so they don't suffer consequences or they rally behind and make social media statements about what a great person the accused is or they start attacking the character of the accuser at that point that that in itself is a massive red flag regardless of what actually wound up happening in the situation just the fact that an organization would would behave that way in the face of an existential uh, threat like a rape accusation the, the fact that they take it so unseriously and that they try to cover it up that tells you all you need to know about a gym's culture and about how serious they would take these things in the future yeah but but again like you do have to take some other factors into awareness there like it okay like everyone okay i don't even know if i want to bring this up because it was, clearly i am not pro lloyd Irvin. okay like that's i'm, I'm very pro women i'm very pro openness and awareness but one of the big things that Lloyd was condemned about was that he paid for the defense of his students. Right. So, and I think you, you, 
what did you have a similar situation with cyborg but it was it was subtly different in a way that made it worse i i don't think you're paying for your friend's defense like if you actually think your friend didn't do it you know like you're my friend i'm gonna pay for your defense and we can decide this in court you are not an evil person right like it's one of the things that people immediately jump on they're like oh he said something defensive about something that was accused of something bad they're clearly just a horrible piece of shit that's not true and that's an example of taking it a little bit too far without context everyone deserves to have some kind of defense to whatever they're accused of and having your friend who is your you know they're your friend they clearly enjoy your personality and they know you as a person a little bit be like look i didn't i don't think you did it i'm going to i'm going to help you defend this because i have money and you don't that's not evil but gaslighting someone, gaslighting the victim and saying, oh, you know, that didn't happen like that. Come on. That is one of the worst things you can do to someone, period. Like there's there's very little that can be more damaging long term psychologically than straight up gaslighting a victim of rape and saying that they didn't experience what they experienced. That is fucking horrible. And that's actually what happened in one of those fight sports situations. Like, again, I. My memory is spotty, but I think it was Cyborg that did that as, at a camp, wasn't it? Um, it was like this came out after the original implications came out. or some, I, I don't remember her name, but she came out and said that you know I was at a hotel, and then one of the fight sports black belts actually came into my room and got me drunk and essentially raped me. And then when I went to the higher-ups, I went to Maggie and I went to Cyborg, they said oh we can't say anything about this you know it'll ruin the camp and all that that's the worst thing you can possibly do there's not a lot of defense for those kind of discussions that they had like that that says a lot about them as people and that's the part that makes me the maddest because you you as an association owner are not completely responsible for the actions of your students and association members you can't control you don't know someone's a fucking pedophile rapist until they kind of do it Okay. And then your reactions after the fact say it the most. That is probably the worst reaction you could have. Now, oh, come on. You know, you know, you're, you, you were obviously hitting on him or something. When you're fucking 16 and your brain isn't even fully developed, you don't, you, you don't deserve to bear the brunt of that at all. Even if you were the one being promiscuous, a 30 year old man is expected to know better. So, something you touched on earlier is whether this this culture is specifically a brazilian thing it's it's not it's not i do have to say in my experiences hearing about these stories a lot of the people who who wound up being accused of this stuff they were not brazilian i know a lot of people from other nationalities who do the same thing so i i don't think this is necessarily a like it's a brazilian thing i think that pretty much it can happen anywhere at any time at any place if the culture permits it absolutely but what I, I will say is that there are um, elements of the culture that are intertwined with jujitsu since from day one have always been problematic. And one of the things that the Gracies have been very, very good at is cleaning up their image in retrospect, um, making themselves look a, a lot cleaner and purer than what they actually did on the ground. Yeah, they, they jump people and beat them with uh, tire irons and shit like their Their actual history is pretty fucked up. Yeah. And it doesn't go. It's not even that far back. I mean, Hodger Gracie assaulted three trans people 
for crying out loud. This was only a few, two decades ago that this happened. So I'm never going to say a positive word about the Gracies other than that they've actually invented jujitsu. They're, they're pretty fucked up people. And then I'm not trying to generalize too much, but our, our culture and our sport has some pretty dark roots. Yes. Yes. And that's not to say that, I mean, we, that's not to say that we all have to stop training jujitsu, but no, no, not at all. we have to acknowledge the sordid history of this sport. Uh, when I started jujitsu, I started at a Gracie Baja and I was given this, this story that I'm sure everyone has heard about these wise brothers who invented leverage and Helio was so sickly. He couldn't go up a flight of stairs. And these people were noble warrior scholars and just do what the Gracies say. I believe that I had no reason not to. I was young and dumb at the time. And I, you know, I didn't have the critical thinking to think, okay, may- maybe it is a little bit weird that people are having me bow to this dude on the mat and buy all of his t-shirts. The, the propaganda is so heavy. It's actually like communist Russia propaganda. Like, <laughs> it's so bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, have you ever seen the uh, some of the stuff that they actually put in the Gracie Baja instructor manual? It's incredible. Oh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I have friends that, that like own Gracie Baja schools, and I have friends in Gracie Baja. But like, yeah, they're. I would never tell someone go train in the Gracie Baja. They're shit is culty as fuck. Like I, I've been in trouble because I've been invited to Gracie Baja gyms, and I showed up in a showyroll gi, and I'm sponsored by showyroll. I'm only supposed to wear showyroll gis, and like you can't wear that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you have to wear our Gracie Baja team. Like, you invited me here specifically to train with your high-level guys. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and like, well, they watch the cameras, and if they see a guy without a Gracie Baja gi on, they're going to yell at us. And it's like, that's fucking weird and culty. What the fuck? So, yeah. Yeah, and I will hear people say sometimes, well, this gym, Gym X and Gym Y, they're Gracie Bajas, and they're great gyms. And so I'm not saying that all Gracie Bajas are bad. They have to break away from the Gracie Baja's curriculum to be a decent Gracie Baja gym, though. Yeah, I'm. what I'm saying is that if a Gracie Baja is good, it's good in spite of the affiliation, not because of the affiliation. The The affiliation, and this is one of the interesting things about jiu-jitsu, right? I mean, Gracie Baja, one of the biggest gym chains, is basically intertwined with the IBJJF. And so part of the problem that I think we deal with in this sport is that there's really isn't an independent body that can hold people accountable for what they do. Uh, basically everything to even to this day still funnels right back up to the, sa- to the same family. Um, and because of that, it makes it extraordinarily hard to get real accountability, um, real independent watchdog organizations. You know, if, if you are relying on the same guy to run all of the gyms, own all of the gyms, set the code of conduct, run run the tournaments, run the ethics committee. That's way too much power centralized in a small group of people, especially people who, as we know, they they don't always, their, their family is not well known for modeling the best behavior, right? Yeah, I, I feel like we could learn lessons from other sports that have independent committees to watchdog this stuff. But man, I just, BJJ is just, it's still so Bush League compared to, and backwater compared to a lot of the bigger sports that I just don't even know how we get there. We're not very close to having any kind of like actual body that sets the rules and monitors everything. We're we're super, super far away from that. And I I honestly wouldn't trust the people that would be the ones to push for that to begin with, because it would be the Gracie's. It would be like Gracie Baja that would try to do that. And they're corrupt as fuck. Yeah, it's it's just not a good system. I don't think we need a regulating body per se. That's not... That's not exactly what jujitsu needs. Jujitsu needs a cultural change. Like you can tell, obviously, from that one Reddit thread where Dominique said, yeah, a lot of the guys don't really want me there. You know, they either want to fuck me or they want nothing to do with me. And that's 
Like I genuinely think that's a normal attitude for a lot of competitive guys to have in a gym, especially like a lot of gyms I've been to. Like I've heard people, so many different girls tell me similar stories like that and similar experiences that I genuinely think that's normalized. And that means it's cultural and that's not really okay, but that you don't need a regulating body for that. You just need like the culture to shift and so many people to be outspoken and public and in your face about, Hey, this is happening. This is not okay. If you disagree with this, you're a fucked up motherfucker. Like if you disagree that women should be treated like equals in the room, you're a fucked up motherfucker. And Mm -hmm. the more that becomes normalized, like the less open people can be about their scumminess and the less open they can be about it, the less it's going to influence other people. And then you start to reduce it. So, yeah, yeah. I I think part of the thing that hurts conversations like this, because I, I can say, at least from my experience, I mean, I posted this episode with Emily and Dominica where they told their story. They requested that we do that. They wanted to have a platform that they could send that message out. And so I did my best to accommodate. You're doing a good, great, a great job. Thanks. I appreciate it. But, but the one thing that really dismayed me was how many, how many men came back and accused me of white knighting or virtue signaling. I'm not even entirely sure what these terms mean. They seem to have lost all meaning. Virtue signaling is a pretty far right wing thing to say about most people. They, they assume you can't actually think that way because I don't think that way. So you must be just doing this for public image. This is the thing that I and actually it really upset me because I went way out of my way to to help some friends of mine who needed help. I didn't make a dime off of doing it. In fact, it cost me a ton of time and money to kind of rush this episode out and get it edited and get it out there. I don't get paid based on advertisements. There's no benefit to me to getting more traffic from that kind of stuff. Um, In fact, probably it just brings more hate to me than anything else. But the thing that I found really depressing is that a lot of the feedback I got from men was this accusation that you're only saying this because you're you're virtue signaling or that you're trying to draw clicks like there must there must be some nefarious motive for speaking out like this it, it can't be that I possibly actually believe this it must be that either I'm I'm virtue signaling or I'm trying to draw traffic like there's no way there's no way that a man could actually believe these opinions and, and that is the one thing that I think we find it will be a real challenge in terms of getting people to speak out which is that the the culture is so toxic in this regard that people don't even believe that a man could have these opinions and, and that is something that I, I find really really saddening about the state of our sport i think you would say i also don't think that the state of brazilian jiu-jitsu is that much different than the state of a lot of, a lot of other high-level male-dominated sports that's what i mean by i think this is like normalized behavior i think it's normal for the average guy to react certain ways to certain stimulus and like hearing about their there's someone they respect oh this guy might have done something fucked up or maybe they want to like downplay it immediately or they want to be like, Oh, he's really cool. Maybe she's like exaggerating. Maybe it wasn't that bad. And then you start to have all these issues that pop up. Yeah. You know, it comes down to power. It comes down to education. It's a fucking problem. I do think it's prevalent and I know people are going to disagree with me. And I know some of those fucking idiots that I'll beat the fuck out of on Reddit. (laughs) They're going to try to say some shit about me saying that, but that's just genuinely what I think. I think it's fucking awful. And like, I'm not going to call people out that have told me about it. And I've heard it from so many different people. Like, I'm not just going off my experience. I'm going off of people that I trust that tell me that this is a problem they face daily or weekly or monthly or it's happened to them in the past. That makes me think it's very prevalent. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you just 
even a cursory pass at social media and looking at the statements from some of the prominent female athletes in the sport, it is tremendously apparent that this is not some one-off problem. I mean, there was that study that was done recently by um, an anonymous person who goes under the name Valkyrie. It's been on Reddit, and I can put a link in the notes. Uh, Granted, of course, the ability to do a a truly scientific study on this stuff is very challenging, but basically they did the study to try to find out how widespread is this problem in the sport. And spoiler alert, it's really widespread. (laughs) Like, There's a very good chance, if you're a woman in the sport, a very good chance that you are going to be involved in this or that someone you know will be involved in this. And that is sad because part of the marketing behind jujitsu is that it teaches you how to defend yourself and prevent these kinds of problems from happening to you. But Avery Clements just wrote an awesome article about this and how, if we're being completely honest, a lot of women are now getting exposed to this stuff. They're getting exposed to this criminal activity because of jujitsu. And if they had just never bought in and drank the Kool-Aid that jujitsu will teach you how to defend yourself, they never would have been in a situation where they had to. And and that's something that makes me truly sad is that the big promise of of Brazilian jujitsu is that it is a it is a sport for gentle thinking people that can learn to defend themselves realistically against a larger and stronger opponent. But what's actually happening is we're putting people into the shark tank where they are now getting exposed to those predators who are even more trained than them. So we're actually making the situation worse if our goal is to help people. And and that, to me, is one of the the predominant reasons why we got to fix this, because we're we're lying about what this thing really offers to people if we tell them it's going to prevent them from getting into trouble. It, It actually can create trouble, especially if you're a woman. No, I, I see. I don't buy into the whole jujitsu makes you a better person thing at all. Like, I think there's a humbling factor jujitsu when you first get into it. You're like that douchebag that's like, oh, I could beat the fuck out of anyone. And you come in and you get tapped out a bunch. You're like quickly dissuaded of that notion. But people go through the humbling phase and then they get good again and they get extremely arrogant. So many of the top level guys are just pieces of shit, like horrible people. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, like jujitsu is not a humbling sport the long term. It's not. Yeah. It can make you more confident in whatever direction your compass is already taking you. If you came into jujitsu because you wanted a practice that you can learn from and you can feel humbled, it it can be that. But if you came into jujitsu because you're a high school bully and you want to learn how to cage fight, yeah, it's going to be humbling for the first month. But by the time you get to black belt, it's just going to amplify whatever awful beliefs you already have because now nobody can stand against you. Yeah, because then you're awesome and you're beating the fuck out of everyone and no one can do anything to you. Like, if you're that much better than people at jujitsu, they can't do anything to you. Like, I, I can throw up at a gym and no one's going to score an advantage on me, probably, period. And that could go either one of two ways, you know? Like, I could let that feed my ego or I can just not. And but that's not to say that there's not high-level people that are really good people. There are. Like, like I, I, the people I talk, to that I talk up are the people I genuinely think are good people. I'm really good friends with Dante. Dante's fucking awesome. Mikey Musumeki is one of my favorite people ever. You know, like there's good people at the high level of the sport, but there's also not good people. And I think it is important too to also call out the people who are good people. You know, the people who consistently do the right thing, who bring the right mindset and the right attitude to the sport, because they do exist. They absolutely do exist. I mean, most people are really good. You know, they, they try to be good people. They try to do their best. But the problem is in jujitsu, we're kind of immersed in systems and in culture that make it hard to do the right thing sometimes. And I think that's the the root cause. And I think it's up to the people who have put their necks out there to do the right thing. I, it's up to them to be the tip of the spear and lead that charge. 
Yeah, just can you imagine if you're like a lower level person at a gym and you hear something fucked up that's happening between your instructor and one of the students, and then you have to go against the entire gym culture to make any kind of stand about that, and nobody's on your side? It's like you're asking, you're asking a lot of someone. It, that's a very actually, in reality, a difficult thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people quite get how hard it is to actually do that. They, there seems to be this perception that it's easy for someone to make a, a sexual assault allegation and that women just do it for fun or they do it to get back at someone. I don't think people have really critically thought about what kind of toll it takes on someone to make a public assault accusation against someone you're putting your reputation on the line you're probably going to wind up getting ostracized from the culture that you've come to love you are going to become the target of direct and targeted harassment you are going to now be known as the person who made this claim that that's how people are going to start identifying you there is a tremendous personal toll to someone to make an accusation like this especially against a a figure in power and Yes, I'm sure that sometimes crazy people come out and they make these accusations baselessly. But, you know, Occam's Razor should tell us that if someone is willing to put all of that on the line to take a principled stand against someone that they believe to be a criminal, there's probably a good ass reason for why they're doing that. And they should be given some degree of charity in terms of taking them seriously before we just start character assassinating them. And that's the thing that I, I find also quite embarrassing is whenever I see these accusations, there's a dozen people who crawl out of the woodwork and say, oh, well, you know, there's some crazy women out there or I had a crazy ex-girlfriend and I wouldn't have put it past her to do this, too. Like that, that's a really uncharitable read of the situation to just assume that someone is insane because the vast majority of these accusations wind up bearing weight behind them. Right. That's that's not to say false accusations never happen, but. It's a lot more likely to be in the other direction than to be that it it was a false accusation. That is a, a very much an outlier that that would actually happen. Yeah. So when I was a lot, a lot younger, like I was like 22 and I'm 28 now, I've had a lot of years to mature. That was something that I used to think about a lot. You know, like I, I was always concerned about the like the false accusation. And I was definitely more willing to lend credence to someone defending themselves than someone accusing someone. And that's one of those cases where I've been able to mature a lot. And, and like I said, I, I credit my ex for being able to like help me, like reason me through these subjects and give me a much better perspective on them. But like, yeah, you, you have to take accusations seriously from the start. Like if you victim blame or you, you know, try to discredit the victim or what have you, you're just going to be creating this toxic culture where people are afraid to come forward at all. And that's clearly not a good thing. Yes. And that that's something that people, I think, have trouble weighing and, and balancing. Taking something seriously doesn't mean you believe it. You may not even have the evidence to make a decision one way or another. So if I take someone's accusation seriously, that doesn't mean I'm saying that they're right or that this definitely happened. No, it deserves weight and investigation. Yeah, it just means I'm taking it seriously. A good example of this that's come up recently is the um, allegations against the Hodger Gracie Academy. Um, In this one, they're... Again, it's a similar situation where Hodger and his team have come out and they've put forth a statement that in my mind was not great 
because they're kind of trying to puff themselves up and paint themselves as being like in the rights and being a uh, being the heroes of the situation. And I believe they also offered a, a hotline to Hodger. So you can call him if you want to report something, not not things. I, I mean, that's not to say that that's evidence of anything, but I just think it's a poor way to handle this. Um, but I've seen a lot of people who just immediately dismiss the accuser for one reason or another. And if I go out and I say, I believe we should listen to them and take them seriously, that that's different from saying that I, I think that this is true. I can believe that we should take an accusation seriously, but not actually necessarily have the evidence to make a decision one way or another. I just think that as a policy, we should take these accusations seriously. And people need to be able to think with a little bit more nuance in that regard and understand that, like, look, yeah, it sucks if your heroes are getting um, embroiled in these things and accused of, of these things. And you may believe that there's no way they could have ever done it. But we still need to take the accusation seriously because it is a serious accusation no it is and so so me and you actually had like a very very brief discussion i think i i said it over messages and uh i honestly think that like the pushback that we you got on reddit of people that are like well this is disgusting you're trying to paint the entire sport like this i'm not a sexist so clearly this can't be true about the whole sport and all this i think it's the analogous to the black lives matter movement and the all lives matter movement where you have people that don't want to be painted with the same brush as people that are actually doing something wrong. who would just refuse to acknowledge that, yeah, there are like, this is actually a problem. So then they want to push back in some kind of way. So then they form this movement or like, like the all lives matter movement is clearly reactionary to black lives matter. Right. Like black lives matter is not saying that all lives aren't important. They're saying, this is a problem we're dealing with that deserves some extra looking at. And people are like, well, you know, they, they just have extreme pushbacks. And I think it's the same thing. And, and like uh, the language seemed very exactly the same in that thread where like, I'm not a sexist. Clearly this is not a big deal. How dare you paint all of us in that same brush? This is disgusting. You should remove this, even though it's clearly a problem. I, so like I said, I think it's a common mentality. I don't think it's like people being especially disgusting, even though it is kind of especially disgusting what they're doing. I think that's a normal response for a lot of people or it, you wouldn't be seeing in all these different facets of culture. Yeah, I and I, I understand that reaction to some degree, right? I think it's the re- wrong reaction. I think it dilutes and downplays. I definitely think it's the wrong reaction. Yeah, I, I don't think you want to da- dilute and downplay the problem. The Black Lives Matter thing is a great parallel because there were a lot of people when that happened that tried to turn that into a story about themselves with, with the All Lives Matter movement and to basically say, well, I'd, I'm not responsible for this and to wash their hands of it and to downplay the problem. That's almost always the wrong approach to take if someone is raising a problem to you because you're, you're downplaying their concerns, right? And odds are, if someone is going to go out of their way to report a problem, there's a good chance that there's legitimacy to it or that it is at least enough to be taken seriously. And I do see the same thing when it comes to women speaking up, which is that a lot of men seem to take these statements as an attack on all men, including themselves, and therefore they must get defensive, which is the wrong attitude, right? I think that if if we want to talk about what it means to be a man and God, I hate these conversations, but if we want to, like, I think that if you really want to be a grown up male adult, you need to take accountability. And that doesn't just mean accountability for the things that you personally did right or wrong, but you want to take some extreme ownership about your community and how you can improve these things, even if it wasn't technically your fault. Um, and I, I find it disheartening how many people have basically take these statements from women, these repeat overwhelming statements. I, 
and just basically downplay them or say, oh, it's just a few bad apples or say things like, well, you know, I'm not a sexist and therefore um, all, all of that stuff is not helpful to the conversation. And it downplays the lived experiences of actual women who deal with this shit on a regular basis. Yeah, my, my favorite thing is that like the whole saying uh, is like a few bad apples ruin the bunch. <laughs> you know? I know people always forget that. That's the fucking saying. A few bad apples ruin the bunch. Yeah, you can completely destroy things for other people. Like th- there has to be strong reactions to this. So there has to be a lot of pushback against this kind of culture. I'm not also not a fan of gender roles, honestly. Like what you're saying about like you know what it means to be a man and all that. I'm really not a fan of gender roles at all. Me and my little brother lean extremely far politically to the left on most topics, social and business. So we're, uh, I don't think, like, what does it mean to be a man has any place in discussion anywhere. I feel the same. I I see these this a lot in jujitsu where there's like to, a lot of talk about the importance of masculinity and so on. And like, look, I'm not going to tell people that you can't be proud of being a dude. And I'm not going to tell people that there aren't specific traits that you know, stand out if you're a man, but I am going to say that it's generally not a good idea to tie a bunch of labels to yourself and identify yourself by being in kind of these groups. And I know that sounds dumb because of course, if you're male, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but usually I find when people start trying to get these, these labels put on themselves, it it is often done because they're, they're trying to close their mind to something else or, or someone is trying to manipulate you. They're trying to slap a label on you so that you can then be excluded from another aspect of the conversation. So I, I always find it kind of odd. Now I have never been (laughs) like a, like a jock or an athlete. So maybe this is just me not understanding that, that walk of life, but I have always found it weird when, when dudes are just like obsessively preoccupied about, what it means to be a man <laughs> usually to me is like a sign that you end up with like homophobia and you end up with all this fucking like toxic baggage you know yeah yeah it's you usually when when people start getting really obsessive about that stuff i mean i'm not going to say you can't do it if if being masculine is important to you then i guess it's important to you but uh, usually when i when people start talking about the importance of manliness usually that that's that's like the first of a one-two punch and normally the second follow-up part of that conversation is something i really don't want to hear <laughs> yeah i know what you mean exactly yeah uh, well man I, one thing i'd love to know i mean you and your team have you guys are kind of the darlings of the sport right now. You've landed on everyone's radar. You've won the hearts and minds. And I think a lot of people will talk shit about us, though. I don't know about all that. <laughs> well, you have won my heart and mind. And I, I would love to know, like, what would what do you guys do? I, you, I don't need you to tell me any personal details or anything. But like you said, any gym that has been around for a while, you are going to have a whole bunch of white belts who come into the door and people are going to come and go. And some of those people are going to be creepy weirdos. Uh, it's unavoidable in in a gym that is open to the public that you are eventually going to run into the kinds of problems that we talked about here today. And it is all about how you deal with those when they happen. What is what is your team's stance on this? What do you guys do? Or if it's never happened, what theoretically would you do if such an accusation came up against your gym or against someone that you knew? So, I mean, first off, we're, I don't want to take any credit for this. We're extremely lucky that, like, our environment is pretty self-selective for people that genuinely give a fuck about getting good at jiu-jitsu. Like our, our room is not the nicest room. You know, it's hot, it's sweaty. People are fucking rolling hard and people, you know, it's more likely to drive people off. And we're lucky people that stick around are people that actually genuinely want to do it. So there's not 
normally a lot of baggage involved in the people that are at our gym. So, and we've been doing this for a decade and people think we just kind of popped up onto the sport, but we've been going as a team to the IPGGF tournaments and the local tournaments for 10 years and doing well. So we didn't just pop up. We've been doing this for a long time. We're just lucky that we haven't had any serious problems like that. And if we happen to have a serious problem like that, I'm pretty sure Heath is going to take it very seriously. But I know for a fact, me and my little brother are going to take it extremely seriously because we're not so socially chained. Like me and my little brother don't give a fuck for the most part, what people think about us, you know, like we're, we're not concerned really. So like, if there was a problem, we would make it a problem. And if they, they wanted to kick us out or they wanted to, you know, like if there was like backlash towards us for dealing with an issue like that, that popped up, that's fine. We'll fucking fight the fight, but I don't think there's ever going to be a situation like that at our gym. I obviously can't speak for the future. Really. We could, we have so many people that move here all the time. There definitely could be something weird that happened, but I'm at least going to try to deal with it. Yeah. And I, I think, like you said, it is, it is about education so that people understand and become aware to how these problems happen and that the, they can prevent that. And it's also about accountability and enforcement and taking them seriously when they do. Um, and man, I, I think those are some great points and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the, ne- if there's anything that really changes out of this. I mean, I remember you brought up uh, team Lloyd Irvin. I remember that happening. I remember Ryan Hall making a really principled stand on the matter. And I don't think it really changed anything at the end of the day. So, I mean, team Lloyd Irvin is the most ostracized team in the entire jujitsu history. No one, can even be associated with them and be relevant today. So clearly something has happened. Fight sports is about being the new team leader. Then, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think it definitely affected the team individually, but I don't think it changed the culture of the sport overall. And my hope is that this time around, maybe it does. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I really hope that this time around, we don't just see one gym get held accountable, but we see a culture shift so that ideally no gyms wind up having these kinds of problems in the future. I, I would much rather the sport, be more aligned with the original promise and actually be something that makes people safe and teaches them how to defend themselves and, and not something that exposes them to predators. Ah, we got a lot of work to do, buddy. What? It's not, it, it, I know like you want to say it like we, but like, it, yeah, it's everyone that has to do something about it. Like I, I live in a box. Like I can just open my mouth and piss people off, but I don't have any real influence in the grand scheme of stuff. It, it just has to be like a constant, like, like real change takes a lot of consistency and that's what has to happen. It's got to be consistent responses to stuff like this that are nuanced, that aren't over the top in any direction and aren't underplayed, but there has to be actual thought put into stuff. Well, man, this is a good chat. Is there anything that we wanted to get into that we didn't cover here or is that pretty much the whole gamut? Yeah, I guess I could say so. Uh, Flow Grappling is going to announce it any any day now, but I actually tore my meniscus. I don't know how, but I actually went and saw an orthopedic about it, and they, you know, they MRI'd it, and they're like, "Hey, this is torn." So I'm probably out of, I'm not probably, I'm definitely out of the Who's Number One tournament at the end of September, which sucks. I'm probably going to do two months of no competition. I have to do rehab, and I haven't been able to train for basically a month because of my knee. So that that, that might as well be out there. Yeah, just bad luck or bird poisoning me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you could poison someone and give them a meniscus tear, although I may be wrong on that. I am not a scientist. You could probably all. like give me something that would like give me vitamin deficiency or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I got to take a couple months off, I guess. So that's fun. Yeah. Jeez. Well, hey, if you want to, during that time, come here and shoot the shit. Always an open invite. But in the in the interim, if people want to check out your stuff, where do they go to do it? 
oh, I mean, you can just Google Daisy Fresh, and there's like a shitload of stuff that'll make you annoyed. Uh, me and my little brother <laughs> sell, sell instructionals on BGJ Fanatics. We actually have 10 on the website right now, and we have a free one that's coming out. So that'll be out. I'm just waiting any day. I'm going to make a post about it as soon as they actually put it out. So. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, for us, if you want to help us keep the lights on, if you want to check out our premium stuff, the place to do that is premium.bjjmentalmodels.com. That's the single best way that you can help support the show and so that we can keep up all of the white knighting and the virtual signaling that I know you all love and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) So again, that's premium.bjjmentalmodels.com. Please do check it out if you haven't already. Andrew, thanks a lot, man. I'm really glad we had this chat. Looking forward to getting shat all over on the internet. It's going to be fun. Oh, they, they can suck my dick. What can they do to me? So I don't care for myself. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew. And of course, thanks a lot to everyone else who hangs out with us here every week. Talk to you guys next time. 